It's time now for another edition of Roarman's Raging Softball Report. Everything Louisiana softball. Now, here's your host, loving Louisiana softball since 1981. It's the Roar Man. Hello, and welcome into another edition of my softball podcast. I am the Roar Man. I really do appreciate you tuning in. The 2022 Raging Cajun softball season is in the books. And if you're a Raging Cajun fan like me, watching the Cajuns players compete and improve as the year went on was fun. It was inspiring and it was satisfying in this podcast, my review of the 2022 season. It all started with a bunch of question marks as 12 freshmen and five transfers joined the team. That's 17 new players, more than likely more new faces than any other team in America. After fall ball ended, five players left the team, leaving 12 newcomers. How would it all shake out? Would the new players live up to expectations or not be able to compete on the collegiate level? The answer to that question is... All 12 contributed positively to the success the Cajuns had in 2022, and that's really pretty incredible. There are coaches who recruit highly rated players and fail in the evaluation of them, and the players see no playing time as they are not ready to compete on the college stage. So congratulations to Coach Glasgow for doing a great job evaluating the players Just a fantastic job of recruiting. I think it really was, as advertised, the number one recruiting class in the nation. When the season kicked off, the Cajuns first faced off against the UAB Blazers, a familiar opponent of the Cajuns as Blazer head coach Joe Guthrie was an assistant under Glasgow in his first year in Lafayette. And in the second game against the Blazers, the Cajuns scored 23 runs. Now, that was pretty shocking to me as UAB was not that bad of a team and they were predicted to compete for a championship in their conference, so a great way to start off the season. Actually, in the first six games of the season, Cajun pitchers did not allow a run and they outscored their opponents 46 to nothing. As a new pitching coach, Justin Robichaux's pitchers could really not have gotten off to a better start. Then came the Mardi Gras Mambo Tournament, which was held at the Youngsville Sports Complex. It was a good time for all of the players as the teams got to ride in the Youngsville Mardi Gras Parade. I know they had a lot of fun. In the tournament, the Cajuns faced off twice against Alabama. They lost both of those games. The first one 9-1 and the second one 8-0. In each game, the Cajuns had a disastrous inning. They gave up seven runs in one inning in the first game and five runs in one inning in the second game. The Cajuns, a few days later, took on the LSU Tigers, and in the first game, the Cajuns gave up a huge inning again as the Tigers scored four runs in one inning, and they won four to nothing. The Tigers also beat the Cajuns in the second game, five to two. They lost due to uh, giving up four runs in the first inning. So four games against SEC opponents, and the Cajuns go 0-4. All totaled, 24 innings were played. Cajun opponents scored 26 runs. 20 of those runs were scored over just four innings, 
the Cajuns did not allow a run to score over 16 innings. So if not for the crooked number of innings, the Cajuns didn't do all that bad, especially considering their young players were playing SEC teams for the very first time. The Cajuns then opened the 2022 Sunbelt Conference with Georgia State at home, and they lost the first game 4-1. to one. That was not good. They weren't expected to lose that game, and they did, but they ended up winning the series. They then traveled to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns in a doubleheader. The first game was tied at 2-2 two to two through five innings. In the sixth, the Cajuns gave up seven runs, and Texas won 10-2. Again, another disastrous inning for the Cajuns. The second game was much closer, but the Cajuns lost again by the score of 3-2. to two. Up next was Georgia Southern, a team with a new coach and kind of a team that has been at the bottom of the SBC standings for a number of years. But they defeated the Cajuns in the second game of the series, winning 12-10. to So for the Cajuns, two losses to SBC teams they did really not expect to lose. At this point, the Cajuns were 16-7 and on the season. Then the Cajuns swept Texas Arlington. Texas came to town. The Cajuns won that game, and they also won two out of three at Texas State. Then the Cajuns traveled to Lake Charles to play Magnese and lost an extra inning 6-5. to five. It was a very lackluster performance, and come to find out, there was some division within the team, and soon after, four players were removed from the team, and they never returned. The Cajuns then went on a nine-game winning streak before losing to App State at the end of a very grueling road trip that took them through the Midwest, and that trip included wins against Indiana and Illinois. They finished the regular season on a 13-game winning streak, including winning the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Also, the Cajuns were crowned Sunbelt Conference regular season champions once again. Then it was on to Clemson, South Carolina for the NCAA Regional. The Cajuns lost a very close game to Auburn. They then beat UNC Wilmington in extra innings. They then eliminated Auburn before losing to Clemson. And just like that, the season was over. Disappointing in the Regional was that Coach Glasgow, Sam Landry, and Alexa Langoliers were all out due to COVID. Glasgow did return for the Saturday and Sunday games. I think if the Cajuns would have had their third pitcher and their number one home run hitter, things might have turned out differently, but that's the hand they were dealt, and they really did a great job competing considering the players that were missing and that the coach wasn't there the very first day of the tournament. So a regular season Sunbelt Championship, Sunbelt Tournament Champions, and a trip to a regional at Clemson. All in all, I'll take it. I got to see some fantastic play in the field, in the circle, and at the plate. And in an interview after the season ended, Coach Glasgow said all of the players with eligibility remaining will be back next year. I had expected maybe a couple of players to move on, but according to Glasgow, they are not, and that's a good thing. That means they know they have something special to build upon and know the future holds just a lot of promise. So 12 newcomers got a lot of valuable experience, and along with the six incoming freshmen, 
a very highly rated class, by the way. 2023 looks to be another fantastic year for the Cajuns. So now I'd like to go over just one by one the players that competed this year. I'm going to start with Raina O'Neill, Melissa Mayu, and Ari Quiones, three players, of course, who will not be back next year. Just a big thanks for their play on the field and their leadership in the clubhouse. And I really wish them the best of luck as they move on with their lives. They were all great players. Again, fantastic to watch. Reina, Melissa, and Ari. Now let's start with the players who are coming back next year. Pitcher Megan Shorman. For me, the first half of the season was kind of weird. I felt like I never knew which Megan was going to show up. Sometimes she was lights out. Sometimes she wasn't. But by the end of the season, she had turned into just a very fierce competitor. She was just a much improved pitcher with a lot of confidence than she had earlier in the season. Her performance at the regional was impressive as she eliminated Auburn. She put up a nice effort against Clemson, but because Sam Landry was out, she probably had to pitch more innings than she was going to. And to be honest, she just kind of gave out and that happens. That was not her fault. She'll be back next year, and I'm really looking forward to having, uh, to seeing her have a really great season. So congratulations to Megan Shorman for just getting better and better as the year progressed. Pitcher Sam Landry, I think she lived up to the expectations everyone had of her coming in as the number five ranked player in the nation. She finished the year 20-3 and three with a 2.15 ERA. She did at times have difficulty in the early innings of games. It seems like the first inning was her Achilles heel for whatever reason. I think it might have been due to her trying to figure out the ump's strike zone. But whatever it was, she seemed to get better as the game went on. She has a devastating off-speed pitch. And at the end of the year, she was hitting 70 miles per hour with her fastball. All in all, a very good freshman campaign. And she will only get better. You know, it's really a shame she was not able to compete in the regional, and I'm looking forward to seeing her in her sophomore year. Pitcher Kendra Lamb. Kendra finished 9-4 and four on the year. She did not see as much time in the circle as Shorman and Landry. She was effective at times and at other times somewhat struggled. I'm glad to know she will be returning for her fifth year as I look for really good things from her in 2023. I really thought Kendra might be going back to Australia. Again, she spent... Uh, four years now in the United States. Coming up will be her fifth year. Maybe she was wanting to get back home, but I think this team is more important to her, and getting to the next level in the playoffs is her goal. Now let's talk about pitching coach Justin Robichaux. I think he did a fantastic job. All season long, he had a game plan. It was to use all three pitchers and kind of give them equal time in the circle. That way, none of the three would be overused and end up with a dead arm at the end of the year. It worked out perfectly until Landry was not available for the regional. It kind of uh, forced him to throw Megan Shorman more than would have been necessary if Landry would have been there. Things might have turned out differently, but that's just the way it is. I know that Justin is a very hard worker. I'm sure he learned a lot during his first year. With four returning pitchers and two highly ranked pitchers coming in, the 2023 pitching staff will be one of the deepest ever, and they may end up being one of the best ever as well. So moving on, freshman Kayla Falterman. Kayla is a great player with a very high softball IQ. She hit 414 
in the number nine hole. And I promise you, there's not a team in the nation that has a number nine hole hitter hitting above that. I think she has complete control of her bat, and she can put the ball just about anywhere she wants to. To prove my point, she had the fewest strikeouts on the team with only seven in 99 at-bats. She's also an outstanding left fielder and has pretty much cemented her spot there. So again, Kayla Falterman, just a great player. So happy she's on the team. Transfer Jordan Campbell hit 392 with 11 home runs. I think coming in from Texas A&M, she lived up to her potential at the plate. She added a lot of pop to the lineup. Over the year, she played a couple of different positions and ended up at third base. Now, to be honest, she ended up making 13 errors on the season. I just think it was a matter of getting accustomed to play at third and having the confidence to make the plays. You know, playing third base is probably the toughest spot on the field. Having said that, uh, she did make some incredible plays. And if she's at third next year, having a year of experience under her belt, I'm confident that she will cut down on the errors and be a much better fielder. Freshman Alexa Langoliers, can you say power? She tied with Carly Heath for the most home runs on the team with 13, and she had exceptional play at shortstop. About maybe two-thirds of the way through the season, she was injured, and when she came back from that injury, I mean, she just killed it. And hopefully she'll continue to kill it during her sophomore campaign I see no reason she won't. Freshman Maddie Hayden ended up hitting 369 and had the most stolen bases on the team with 28. She made some ESPN highlight catches in center field. Just an outstanding freshman season for Maddie. Look for her to increase her power in 2023 and to steal even more bases. I'm telling you right now, that is definitely going to happen. I'm thinking she may steal as many as 40 in 2023. Freshman Kramer Ushte, another player who performed really well when given the opportunity. She hit 358 and did a nice job in the outfield. I think if she gets more and more playing time, she will get even better. Freshman transfer Stormy K, an incredible utility player who played, I think, every position in the infield. And in doing so, she only made five errors at the plate. She hit 356 with 10 home runs. A couple of those over the scoreboard in right field at Lampson Park, and that's a long way. She's just a tremendously fierce, intimidating competitor, and she too is only going to get better. Remember, this is her first year playing on the college level. Sophie Piscus, a very, very good sophomore season for Sophie. She hit 349 with eight home runs. She did a great job of framing pitches and caught a lot of out of the zone pitches that maybe other catchers could not have caught. I know she saved some runs by doing so. Her junior year coming up will be interesting as there is some talk of her maybe switching to another position in the infield. Whatever happens, her enthusiasm and vocal leadership is invaluable. Freshman Laney Cradur hit 348 with six home runs while spending time at first base and as designated player. She's got a lot of power. She's got a really good softball mind. I think she will probably get more at-bats as a sophomore, and I'm thinking she will hit double-digit home runs in 2023. Carly Heath hit 314 and tied for the most home runs with 13. And she was on fire for the Cajun spring trip uh, through the Midwest as she hit five home runs, four of those coming against Appalachian State. Carly will be one of three seniors on the team next year. I think she will take a leadership position and have her best season yet. 
Freshman Sam Grader hit 309 with two home runs. She has power and is known as a clutch hitter. I think she did a great job as a freshman and given the opportunity, could be a breakout star for the Cajuns. I think she's someone we all need to keep an eye out for. Freshman Taylor Roman, who will be in her fourth year next year, even though she'll only be a sophomore, and coming in as a freshman in 2020, I saw the potential in Taylor, I saw the power, and I saw her having a tremendous career. Then COVID happened, and then she blew out her knee. She has had some misfortune, and at the plate, she has not really gotten back to where she once was. She did hit five home runs on the year, including the game winner against UNC Wilmington in the regional. I'm really hoping she can get back to farm. She has become a leader on the team, and I know she loves her teammates. It would just be great to see her swing the bat as she did pre-injury. So go, Taylor. I'm really pulling for you. One more player, pitcher Tyler Oob. She redshirted. She'll be in the circle in 2023. Looking over the team's accomplishments for 2022 on a national level, here are some stats that you may not be aware of. The Cajuns finished second in the nation in batting average at 351, just behind Oklahoma. The Cajuns had the second most doubles in the nation with 103. Texas had 109. The Cajuns finished sixth in the nation in on-base percentage at 422. The Cajuns finished 7th in runs scored per game at 6.93. The Cajuns finished 6th in slugging percentage at 601. The Cajuns finished 6th in stolen bases per game at 2.28. They were 3rd in overall stolen bases at 137. And what's kind of interesting is two Louisiana schools, Southeastern and McNeese, finished ahead of them in stolen bases. The Cajuns tied for the most triples in the nation at 26. All of this done by a bunch of freshmen. So a really good job and not bad for a lot of freshmen that were on the team. So I think that's it. In 2023, the Cajuns will have a very small roster in comparison to what they have had in previous years. By my count, there will be 13 returning players and six incoming freshmen for a total of 19. Again, that's an extremely low number. I know that Glasgow said no players were leaving, and he really wasn't intending to pick up any transfers. I got to think maybe a couple of transfers will come in and just make that roster a little bit bigger. In conclusion, I don't think I missed a home game. I made a number of road trips, including the very long trip to Clemson, I enjoyed mingling with all the fellow Cajun fans. The parents and relatives of the players were all great. You know, they put a lot of time and money into supporting their kids, and they all love this team. Thanks to the cooking crew who did a great job of cooking up some great food for a number of pregame tailgates. And I can tell you, having been to a number of other ballparks, there's really nothing like Yvette Girard Field at Lampson Park. And it's only going to get better. I've been told sometime in the near future, a new outfield fence will go up, as will a new sound system, and the locker rooms will be upgraded as well. So in my opinion, all in all, a very successful 2022 season. It's been a lot of fun doing this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed listening to them. So that's it for this year. This is the Roar Man saying, as always, 
See you at the ballpark. Go Cajuns, and I can't wait till next year.